Hi everyone, this is Joanne Baudre Larock, and today my guest is my youngest brother, Patrick Baudre, and this is going to be a, more of a solemn, but trying. We're going to try to keep it positive. Uh, some uh, loving memories of our mother. Our mother just passed away recently, a week ago yesterday. So today is October 8th, 2023. And our mother, Suzanne, Sue is what most people called her, Baudray. Uh, she passed away September 29th, 2023. And she was 88 years young. And uh, today... My brother and I are we're grieving the loss of her mother, and so there's a lot of things we'd like to talk about. Uh, some ups and downs that occurred recently in our family. Our family is no longer one. Uh, I have five younger brothers, but uh, in most families, sometimes uh, things fall apart, and uh, that is in our case with the Beaudre family, but. Uh, our mother, we want to honor her today by talking about special memories of her. And so she was married to my father, Richard Baudre, in 1956. And we'll talk about our dad as well. <clears throat> but first of all, I'm going to pass the mic over to Patrick, uh, my youngest brother, and, and see what he would like to talk about as far as our mother Sue Baudre goes, and then I'll kind of go through a list and we'll kind of bounce off each other. So, hi, Pat. Hi. Um, I'm just... Talking about mom is... Some days it can be challenging to remember what was so great about mom besides her <laughs> pies, her baking. Uh, she's so meticulous with her ironing and... Um, when the bed sheets were changed, you always knew you were getting into the most comfortable bed in the world. Um, you know, it's... She... Being in my rebellious rebellious teenagers, teenage youth, I remember Mom complaining to me how dirty my room was. And I says, well, Mom, that's my room. She says, it was my, my house. My God, I almost choked on my coffee pot. <laughs> started to laugh there she said that to you yeah and uh, oh boy. She, and uh, you were in trouble then well <laughs> i said okay good point yeah and dad was like yep and uh so did you clean your room oh yeah i cleaned the room and uh <laughs> were you scared of mom if she no, was mad she at just, you because your room was clean no because clean? i knew if i ever talked back to mom it was either wooden spoon or the dad or wrath of dad <laughs> so <laughs> okay um but dad wasn't a, a he's wasn't like that. He just you knew where you stood with dad. It's, yeah. Um, he loved both our parents loved us. <laughs> I after that I told mom I will clean my room. You don't need to go through my stuff, mom. So that's she just um, you know just a light bulb went off in her head. I'm like really, what's in your room? <laughs> Oh, okay. What was in your room that you well, didn't want her mother to find? Patrick? One or two uh, girly magazines that uh, <laughs> shouldn't have been there, and and she was pretty upset about that. And then, of course, Dad made light of the situation because, uh, you know, if you go to the hydro plant, you guess what? Was, guess 
<laughs> Guess what type of reading material was in the men's washroom at the hydro plant? I didn't know that. <laughs> so, but that's why I was in the men's washroom and nowhere else. <laughs> so, that's why. So dad would talk about, look at that. You look at these pages and and some of the jokes there. The, the one guy, he's, he's, uh, the, the cartoon joke was uh, the guy's getting his teeth worked on by the dentist. And the dentist asks the guy if there's... If he's hurting him, and, and the guy says no, nope, but meanwhile there's a great big shit stain on the wall across from him. So. <laughs> oh, okay, but, so. But dad kind of had my back there, so, but mom was. You and, and Robert were the youngest too, so. Yeah. You guys got away with a lot more than us eldest for. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that because. I was glad though because they were strict, our parents. <laughs> yeah, well, we still knew not, there was a certain line we didn't cross. And That's right. You know, I, I constantly heard that growing up, you know, like we always got the better end of the deal because. We were in a different generation. We had cable TV in 1977, and uh, um, we had, you know, like... Dad had more money, in a way, Yeah, too. because they went on... Uh, there was a big strike in the uh, mid-'70s, and, and Dad um, he got He worked a, for Ontario Hydro. He, he got a big raise. So he was making more money, and we were able to take a few more trips. However, Mom was... Uh, the bookkeeper, you know, she always made, paid the bills, but dad still had money in his pocket. So it's, I remember got mom taking the old, or taking the car to go pick up dad's check every second Friday if dad was working afternoons or whatever, so she can go buy groceries and, and, uh, you know, she, she was the Housewife, she um, she made her made sure things flowed through uh, smoothly in the house, um, and then it was just it was a happy household, though. Oh yeah, because uh, you know, Dad always made sure he had time to go hunting, and uh, you know, and Mom was okay with that because. That hunt, every hunt, Dad always came home with either a moose or a deer, mostly moose. Because he'd hunt at his best friend's camp in uh, Matabichuan. Paul Calio. Yeah, and um, they they get their moose, you know, because they split it three or five ways. And, and that was enough to keep all of us fed. So Mom would just have to buy pork if she wanted to make meat pies because moose is so lean you have to fatten it up with pork i didn't know that and um but other than that you know like we had the big garden mom was big on gardening and and uh, i remember floral floral garden dad had the vegetable garden <laughs> but she was also in the garden helping to weed and that and um i remember i I was making a sandwich in the kitchen when I was uh, on my late teens, I think. And I asked mom if there's any lettuce. She says, yep, go. Here's, here's the scissors. Go in the garden, get some lettuce. Like, All right. <laughs> so, it was it, the healthiest kind of lettuce you could want. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
Yeah, we always pitched in, and uh, I remember <laughs> my my best friend Chris Martell, rest his soul, but he had the best laugh in the world. And uh, one time we we're uh, helping mom pick beans, and Chris and I were just picking beans, and there's mom bent over. <laughs> she lets <laughs> one go. <laughs> Of course, oh, you Chris, might get struck by lightning by saying that, but of course, human. Chris didn't didn't stop laughing, and <laughs> Mom was probably embarrassed. <laughs> so, and then, uh, oh, there's lots of stories with Chris. Always made Mom laugh, and and because uh, one time we're uh, <laughs> another story. You're just like our dad. Story after story after story, and jokes and jokes. Mom would. Uh, made us crab dinner and wieners for uh for lunch and uh robert was uh taking a great big swig of milk he just wouldn't stop and <laughs> chris look over and says robert you you drink drinking too much well he starts choking <laughs> and, and he puts it down he's choking and he says give me another wiener Chris hits him across the forehead with the wiener Chris did that? Yeah. Oh well, my, my God. mom's just what trying, did mom do? she was trying not to laugh <laughs> she must have got a kick out of your best friend Chris. oh yeah let's talk about Chris for, for a few seconds a few minutes you will never meet a more inclusive person in your life he um, he loved making people laugh. He if um, he was the most innovative person that I knew. Like he could, he loved playing with old uh, snowmobiles. Um, his favorite were the uh, the Olympic skidoos. Um, when we were teenagers, Dad bought a nineteen seventy two. 300 Olympic and um, Chris would come over and we'd drive around the back bush with it and then he found a deal in Chalk River and my brother Mark and dad went to Chalk River in the uh, 78 Dodge Power Wagon and picked up a 1971 399 Olympic and a 1969 Olympic and a sled. Well, Robert got the 399, I got the 300, and Dad says to Chris, that's yours. Aww. So Dad, Chris was forever grateful for Dad, and, um... Yeah. And he... What happened to Chris? He, um, on Thursday, uh, June 29th, 2021, Chris was driving to work. The ironic thing is that Chris didn't have to work that day. It was, um... It was June 30th, sorry. And um, he was just going in to get a few extra hours before the before the July 1st holiday. Um, unbeknownst to Chris, um, some reckless maniac was playing chicken with a bunch of cars on Highway 11 north of uh, New Liskert. And um, the cops have got this report of this crazy guy just weaving in and out of traffic and playing chicken and Chris is on his way to work and this guy just plowed right into him and killed him instantly 
due to the impact. I'm so sorry to hear that because he he was your best friend. Chris and I have been friends since we were five years old. And your chosen brother. Yeah, he was more of a brother to me than my own brothers, unfortunately. It's, It's sad to say, but my older brothers always tried to be, uh, I wouldn't say a father to me, just more of a, you know, do this or do that or, you know, just constantly chastise me for mistakes that I may have done throughout my life. And I've, I think I've told them once or twice that I only had one dad and you're not it. Mm-hmm. So they took offense to that and, you know, they tried to be, um, they tried to steer me in the right direction, as you could say, but I've made my own choices. I don't, uh, I'm not um, sorry for the way my life turned out. You know, it's... You have a beautiful partner and three beautiful children, so... Well, Trish has been my rock lately, and um, she, yeah. uh, you know, she she works her ass off at her main job, and then every Friday and Sunday she works at a pizza joint. Uh, to help, originally it was to help her friend because uh, they ran out of employees, but now it's she's come to rely on the money because the money just wasn't there. Um, yeah. And what, when, when Grit, let's jump back to Chris, he was your friend since you're a young age. How did you, because we're, we're talking about death and grief, how did you cope with the loss of your best friend, who I believe used to call you every day he around four o'clock? Yep. Every day, call me at four o'clock every day, and uh, on his way back from work. Um, so, how did you cope with the grief of losing your best friend, and now we've lost both our mom and our dad? Do you talk to him, Chris? Every, every day. Yeah. It's. Uh, I miss the phone calls. I miss uh, having him listen to what's going on in my life and then he'll talk about what's going on in his and whether he got um, new chickens and new pig or uh, uh, you know if he's got uh, problems with his birds and that he he was raising with his uh, new partner Mm -hmm. Um, you know he moved uh, almost three hours away so it was it was it was tough. You know, I didn't go see him for the first year that he was up there because it was just so far away and money was tight. But um, when I did go see him, he laid out the red carpet. You know, like we went on ATV rides and, uh, you know, he bought a side-by-side and we go on rides all the time. And he just loved entertaining us. And it was just... He made some funny videos too. Yeah, well, the uh, the video where he's pouring gas onto a, a pile of wood in the middle of winter, and then <laughs> his laughter up. was amazing. Yeah. Um, you you can't like he told me. Um, um, we have a mutual friend Steve that Chris met in Barry. Um, um, Steve, you know, was his next door neighbor, and. Yeah. Uh, and he said the first time he met Chris, you know, he knocked on his door and Chris says, hey, here's a beer. Come on in. <laughs> so, and he's like. Just down home. Yeah. Uh, he's just, friendliness. Yeah. Because uh, like I said, Chris is the most inclusive person you'll ever meet. He, he always tried to make friends everywhere he went. And our parents loved him. 
they were like he was like a another son to him to they, us uh, to yeah. them. It's, um, because his family wasn't the most functional family in the world. It's um, they've had problems with one of their sons, two of their kids, actually three of their kids had um, learning disabilities, and one was just um, a high functioning ADD. Sociopath. <laughs> so when Chris came to the Beaudre house, our parents' house, he felt safe there. Oh, very safe. And loved and yeah. wanted. Yeah. Uh, we, like I said, Chris was always wanted to make new friends. So any friend that I currently have right now, I met through Chris. That's great. Um, like the Beaver boys, um, you know, a few others that have disappeared, you know, just gone with away. Time. With yeah. time. Like, uh, we had a mutual friend who ended up screwing over Chris due to money. He uh, lent Chris money and was paying him back by check, but the check would always bounce. Oh, no. So that was, that put a rift in their relationship. And I haven't talked to the guy since, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years. But he's just, um, he was, the guy was a weasel. We just didn't. Yeah. But Chris remained your friend until he passed. Yeah. And I'm very sorry that you lost your your closest friend, chosen brother. Uh, so let's talk about our mom a little bit, a uh, little bit more. Uh, I'm just gonna bounce some things off of you. Um, so she was a wonderful seamstress. I remember mom sewing my dresses uh, because where they lived near Haleberry at one time, there wasn't exactly a corner store they could go to or department store. So she made my dresses. And then for my younger brothers, I remember seeing her putting a newspaper on the kitchen table, drawing an outline of pants, cutting out the outline and then sewing them. And then she had pants made for the, uh, for the other three boys. And I just thought that was amazing. She loved her Singer sewing machine. Well, she made all of her um, Halloween costumes. Yeah, there was no going out to buy them back. No, back when we lived in the bush. (laughs) Yeah, we lived in the bush. We lived in Abitibi Canyon at one time, and that was an hour north of uh, forty-five minutes. No, forty-five miles north of Smooth Rock Falls, and then an hour south of Musineer, which is on James Bay. So there was only a little grocery store. So our, all our Halloween costumes, uh, and she even made my son's bat, Batman costume. I think it was yours at one time. Well, no, oh. it was, she made Batman, Superman, Robin, and um, I'm not sure if she made Spider-Man or not. But it was just for the three boys, the three older boys. It was yeah. Mark, Raymond, and David. And then my son inherited some of those costumes. Well, the, yeah, you got the Batman, Superman, and there's a Robin. So the Batman was um, Mark, Superman was David, and Raymond was Robin. Because okay. I remember in the picture, Raymond had the goggles on for Robin. Yeah. So it was, I could be mistaken, but that's what I remember. Speaking of pictures, uh, I don't have my childhood pictures. They're in the possession of one of my mother's sons. So I hope to goodness someday I I receive my childhood pictures. 
and the albums because my mom did want me to have them and then she knew that as I did with after the big family portrait I went to Staples and made copies for the rest of my siblings and she knew that I would do the same with the, the photos. I bought a digital uh, scanner but now all my childhood pictures are missing. Uh, so I hope someday we, we get to see them because uh, it, it helps. Pictures are great reminders of our past and our childhood. Uh, another thing I want to mention to you about our mother was how she was so super clean in our house. I remember her um, cleaning the rail, like certain parts of our house with a toothbrush. Oh Do you yeah, remember she, that? she always cleaned the window sills. Um, after mom and dad renovated the, uh, uh, changed the... Um, the windows in the house. The our house was built in 1971, but it was a beautiful house. It was the one in Hanmer, Ontario. In, and uh, in 19, I think 1984, maybe, mom and dad got new windows and doors in the house. And uh, after that, there you know there are vinyl windows and. Um, even though they're double pane, they still condensate in the house because mom and dad didn't have forced air in the house. It was all, uh, it was uh, water heat. Basically, it was run. I was, um, it was a heat pump in a, by a boiler, so it was a dry heat in the house. So if the dry, if the heat was dry in the house, and it was, you know, the humidity was very low. Windows would still condensate. So mom would every morning she'd wipe her windows down and get rid of all the, the sweat. Yeah. And um, she just always found something to do. Like there's always something well, to do in the house that needed some attention, which... She was good to keep a clean house. Oh, but I do remember as a little girl, I always saw her back. And sometimes I would say, I wish she'd turn around and just talk with me. But she was so concerned about being Susie Homemaker. Well, that's the thing, you know. And she grew she, up that way, not from our grandparents, but from being at the with the nuns. <laughs> she yeah, went to school where well, the that, nuns were. Well, that's what the course was. Yeah. In the convent, you know, yeah. learn how to be a good housewife. Yes, Saint Mary's Academy so, in Haleberry. Yeah, you know, when you grow up in the forties and you go into a school like that, yeah, you didn't have a choice because back then. If a woman got married, she was not allowed to work. That's right. So it was um, you either had to learn how to bake and sew and cook and Be clean. Be a good housewife. Or you weren't marrying material. That's right. But she told me that she she was going to take either two, one of two paths. Become a nun. I remember that. Or become a wife. But then she realized, I miss the embrace of a man. So I became, became a housewife. Our mother said that, Patrick? Yes, she said what? that. She said that to Trish and I. She said I, I would miss the embrace of a man. Yep. And speaking of men, uh, our dad was in the orphanage when he was a young child at five. And he was and then in, in a bunch of foster homes in North Bay, Sudbury. But at one time when he was 12... Uh, I interviewed my dad. There's four podcasts of, of him being uh, talking about his life story. And when he was 12, he ended up being taken in by Eugenie and Felix Dupuis. They had a small little hobby farm in Corbeil. And when he arrived there, there were three other boys with him. 
he felt that this was his home now. He actually started to call the mom and dad. So he was 12. Their eldest granddaughter was our mother, Suzanne. Well, Sus great-grandma called her Suzette, but uh, my mother's name was Suzanne. And so my dad at 12 met my mother, our mother, at 10 years old. And over the years, they got to see each other. And then finally, they, they ended up getting married in 1956 and had six kids. So there was the man that well, mom he, and dad, she loved her husband. That's one thing. She loved dad. Although she would get mad at him once in a while and give him the silent treatment. And then that would dissipate. Well, <laughs> that's how mom ended up with her silverware um, set. Okay, tell us that story. Well, <laughs> I guess dad was a week overdue for moose hunting with Balti Kastangi, uh, Grandma Beaudry's um, partner. Uh, partner. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, well, I'm probably in shit, so I might as well just buy, buy Sue a nice gift, he'd say. <laughs> so he uh, came back with this beautiful cherry wood cased silverware set. <laughs> so... <laughs> Mom probably was glad, but at the same time, Matt. Yeah. Here you go, hon. <laughs> Here you go, hon. I remember mom telling me she wanted me to have her silverware set <coughs> and, and also nanny and poppies. And she wanted me to have, I remember one day we went through all her jewelry and she wanted me, being the only, only daughter, uh, certain pieces of her jewelry. And one of the pieces I was before mom and dad uh, became got married, my our dad bought our his girlfriend at the time uh our mother a beautiful rhinestone necklace set and i remember her showing me that i took pictures and she said i want you to have this and if any of the granddaughters when they get married you know you could lend it to them but i want you to have this this is yours to keep unfortunately that has been stolen and uh i might never see that again and then she showed me other jewelry she didn't have a lot of good jewelry, uh, more costume, but there was her wedding rings and one gold chain, but the rest was more or less costume, except she had a pearl necklace, and I don't know where that is either. I don't have any of her jewelry, um, unfortunately, and uh, and the silverware. I wanted to put my name down for it uh, later on, but I knew that probably I wouldn't get it anyway. But I, I remember uh, she's showing me that, but I think, in hindsight, uh, if our dad did extend his hunting trip, he would come home. One time he came home with a stainless steel pot set yep. because he was a little too long on his hunting trip. And mom ended up with a nice, was it fuller brush or that was something else? Oh, there was fuller brush back then too, but it was the stainless steel pot set that she ended up with. So, you know, he came home with maybe a moose or a deer, but he, mom also ended up with. <laughs> he only really started deer hunting when Uncle Ernie got his uh, property um, released back to him in, uh, oh gosh, when was that? 1990, 1990. Um, because um, Uncle Ernie's adoptive grandmother, or adoptive mother, signed over this piece of property, which turned out to be 200 acres inside a 10,000-acre game preserve, to the um, to the province because they wanted to increase the deer population in, in the Powassan area. So, Dad 
told Grandma Stone that it wasn't a good idea, but it was a 50-year lease to the um, to the province, and after 50 years, it would come back to them. So 50 years later, Uncle Larry got the property back, and he built a small cabin on it, and that's when Dad started hunting with Uncle Larry uh, on his property. It, so that was just and, outside of Calendar? In uh, the... No, just outside of Powassan. Powassan, okay. So, so he loved his hunting, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, so... Like, he'd go on uh, hunting trips with uh, Uncle Ernie on Uncle Ernie's farm in Calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he told me this one time, he saw this beautiful buck. It was just... Dad. Yeah, he yeah. was just too beautiful to shoot. Yeah. And he knew if Uncle Ernie came around the bend, you know, that deer was going to get dropped. So he told the deer to shoot, you know. Cool. Yeah. So he chased the deer away because it's just too beautiful to shoot. I remember our dad telling us that too when he was up in Air Falls. He he told me and Mike, my husband, that near the end of his life he couldn't shoot anymore. He couldn't kill any more animals. He'd look at their eyes and he just couldn't do it. And if they said, "Did you see it?" like the moose or whatever, and he'd say, "Oh, I, I no, I you know," but he couldn't do it anymore as he got older. But it's it's uh, it's kind of you know as people age how their mindset changes. Um, getting back to our mother, um, she worked briefly in Tomogamy and then she worked in North Bay more in a secretarial role. She loved that. And one thing about our mother is she was well dressed. When she was younger, she'd put five dollars, ten dollars on a a beautiful sweater, a mink coat. She made. Um, from a mink coat, she made four teddy bears, and she wanted both our twin daughters to have one of the teddy bears, and your daughter, Leah, to have a teddy bear, mm-hmm. and then I think her other granddaughter, mm-hmm. a teddy bear. But somehow, we mm-hmm. only have I only have the one, and your daughter doesn't have any. I don't know where the other three teddy bears are, but they've obviously been taken. But it just shows for our mom, looking beautiful, looking well-dressed, uh, was important to her. Uh, in her home, every closet in her house had clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sweaters and pants and dresses and suits. And I remember many, for many, many years, if she was going to a CWL convention in Sudbury or Sault Ste. Marie or Timmins, North Bay or whatever, she'd have me come over and say, help me choose my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so her whole bed and the other other small bedroom was like, all the pants, all the shoes, all the the shirts, and and blouses and tops, and and looking nice and neat was important to our mother. She was very modest too. Do you remember her always being well dressed? Unless she was doing a just at home day to day, she was in her gardening clothes. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah. She, she always, uh, well, later in life, she always wore a a pair of sneakers in the house because she always. On the floor is too hard, so she, and the slippers just sports shoes. So she, yeah. so she wore shoes just. But to, they were her indoor sneakers. Yeah. Oh yeah. She was very uh, uh, particular about if you came in the house, you took off your shoes. Yeah. Or when oh, you. I wake- remember that. I remember I was eight years old. I was coming in from the bush, and I had to go to the washroom, and I said, "Mom, I gotta go to the washroom. I don't have time to take the shoes off." <laughs> she says, in the time you told me to take your shoes off, you don't have time to take your shoes off, you could have taken your shoes off. No, do it. 
do it. <laughs> we were slightly scared of our mother at times. <laughs> she was very, uh, very particular. And also, she made sure we were taught to make our bed in the morning. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> I'm sure that came I, from the nuns. <laughs> I made it not very well, but I made it. <laughs> oh, she! I remember her teaching me how to tuck the sheets in like a hospital sheet, the, the flat sheet on top of the I fitted she sheet. Just, she just gave up with Robert and I. <laughs> okay. But I remember it has to be done this way. But one thing about mom being Susie Homemaker, and I say that with love, was that if she came to visit and she had a little time on her hands and then she left or we'd notice before she'd leave, we'd open up the linen clo- door closet Every sheet, every towel, every washcloth would be folded immaculately. Or if we opened up our utensil drawer or our Tupperware cupboard, it would be uh, reorganized. If I uh, asked her to come over and and get the kids off the bus, uh, she'd say, sure, come over. And I'd come home and and all the Tupperware lids would all be organized. (laughs) I know. We we couldn't find them like for five years or whatever less. And then she would match everything. (laughs) It it was just her organizational skills were second to them. Like it just, uh, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't falter for that. It was just amazing that, you know, because the other day I was looking for a lid for uh, one of the, uh, Tupperware containers and, and I, uh, like it wasn't Tupperware, the brand Tupperware. Yeah. I can't afford those freaking things. God, <laughs> I know. $50 for a freaking picture. Anyways, <laughs> um, I was looking for a lid and I'm like, where's mom when I need her? <laughs> I know. She would, she would love that to even Chanel's apartment in Toronto. Her, she would organize her teacups or her, her towel cupboard or whatever. And she just, it just seemed to give her so much pleasure to, that was her way of, she might not have been always a huggy, kissy mother or say she loved us, but her way of showing that she loved us was how she would do these little things mm-hmm. of organizing our cupboards. I remember uh, many times I used to suffer with migraines, um, migraine headaches, and I couldn't take care of my kids and I'd call mom sometimes I would end up in emergency and she'd come over take care of the kids feed make their supper or make their sandwiches or whatever and I remember that if one time I was so sick with uh before Brent's birthday party I think he was only four or five and I called her and I'm so sick with a migraine and she came over and took care of everything so uh, took care of the kids, uh, cleaned the house if need be, uh, and she was she loved she loved her kids. She oh, loved yeah. her grandkids. Yeah. You know, she loved her grandkids and proud of them. And uh, that's another thing that uh, for for mom she might she was our mother, but she was an amazing grandmother and great grandmother. Uh, but getting back to the house, oh, she always, her baking. Oh, yeah. She made us the best birthday cakes ever, didn't she? Oh, with the thing, I haven't had a birthday cake with money in it since <laughs> I was 12. Darn it. <laughs> Nickels and quarters and dimes and mostly quarters and, and wrapped in little aluminum foil. And I'm like, yeah. you just, 
no, I got a quarter. And so it was just. Those are the special things. I remember she made me a bunny cake. Why a bunny cake? I don't know, but I remember it was so darn cute. Yeah. And she she was a great cook. And when I was younger, dad wasn't making that much money working for Hydro. Uh, and I'm 67, so that's a long time ago. But she'd stretched the, the meals and made casseroles and casseroles. I was so sick of casseroles. I've never made one since. But I remember the casseroles. And then she'd always say, save room for dessert. She always found a way to make either bread pudding, rice pudding, mm. butterscotch pudding. Mm. But we, we <laughs> ate her meals. Yeah. And, we had, and we had to make sure we ate all our meals because they would remind us of children elsewhere in the world that might not have had a good meal so it it uh, i think it raised a level of empathy for us to think of others and to be concerned about others and and to show a sense of gratefulness towards our parents what do you think pat i never thought of it like that but it's at the same time it's uh i i've been having my own troubles with um, one of my kids where he, he'd, he'd say stuff where, you know, like, oh, I'll just, when he was in high school, I'll just move out. I says, see ya. You know, and then he says, well, what do you mean? And I says, how many times have I told you about the story about Grandpa, how he went from foster home to foster home to foster home? You know, and if you don't like it here, there's the door. Hit the bricks. You mm -hmm. know, there's nothing keeping you here. Yeah. You know, because I only have to provide you with a, Basic necessities of life, food, um, um, shelter, and, and um, a place to sleep. That's it. Everything else you get from us is bonus. Mm -hmm. And that kind of woke him up. So he's not, uh, my, my son was, um, he, he kind of, he kind of realized that maybe it's not so bad here because he, he likes to take the bus, and he likes to see what goes on downtown, and he wa wants to see what's going on in, for his own eyes. And he sees the homeless on the street, and he sees how people are struggling with their own demons. And he says, then he comes home, and he sits down on the t and, and, and watches TV, watches his favorite programs, and, and then one time he'll get a realization that it's not so bad here. Yeah. You know, because any frustration that he takes, that he feels, he ends up taking out on us and, and you know, Trish and I. So when mom and dad used to say, all the kids in Africa are starving, and yeah. a couple times I'd ask them, well, is, is that my fault? Yeah. You know, it says, well, it just goes to show you that, you know, like, we have food in our plate. They're living in, in squalor. Yeah. So it's... it's um, they always tried to say life could be worse. They always raise that sense of awareness of the less fortunate out there. And that's one really important element we learned from our parents was the faith in God, a love of their family and pride of, of their kids and love of their friends and relatives. But they, they also had both of them well-matched as far as uh, faith in God and to take care of others, and, and that was their love for their church. Um, their church involved uh, mom being uh, working with the CWL, the Catholic Women's League, 
and our dad, Knights of Columbus. And so at one time, my mom was the president of the CWL at St. Kevin's Parish, and our dad was the Grand Knight for the Knights of Columbus. But one super important part of those two organizations within the Catholic Church was the charitable work that they do. Golf tournaments, uh, CWLTs, and it was always in service to others, not for themselves. It was what can they do to help others? And it was different organizations, arthritis, cancer, all of, the, all of these kinds of organizations. Well, the, the golf tournaments were, uh, were for the Make-A-Wish Foundation and uh, John Allen Camp. So for kids that are, don't have long to live and they have one wish to, to, that they wish to make before they die. So the golf tournaments were in yeah. support of that. And our our parents love golf. My our dad started golfing before our mom. Well, he he got his first golf set pretty much the year he retired. <clears throat> so mom didn't want to feel left out because her friend Gail started golfing. So she says, "Well, I want to golf too." So she <laughs> got a golf set too. So we don't know where her golf set went to, but anyways, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> um, and another thing too. Uh, so we talked about our parents' love for gardening. Our dad with the vegetables, our mom with the flowers. She had multiple gardens. Uh, it was sort of a competition between our dad and my husband, Mike, because who could grow as many tomato plants? Well, and mom was always in competition with uh, Aunt Nikki for the better garden because mom was always, I wouldn't say envious, but always tried to one-up Aunt Nikki or vice versa about their gardens. And I remember <laughs> mom saying, Oh, we need to level out the backyard, you know, and dad would get a load of um, topsoil and he'd, you know, grab the wheelbarrow and level out the backyard and as much as he could. But it was hard to uh, get grass really green on, on uh, his lot because, you know, you go down six inches and then you're into beach sand. So any topsoil that was there was very not a good base for, for sod. Um, but it was also a good um, area for a, a, a well point because when dad put in a, a, a well point in the shed, you only had to go down 13 feet for water. There you go. And um, it was very, but we never have drainage problems. Dad didn't have, I remember dad telling us, um, when he bought, when he was looking for a house, he first looked in, in uh, one part of town where every house had a, had a um, sump pump. But when he looked at the house he ended, ended up buying in 1973, he asked the realtor, he says, where's the sump pump? He says, you don't need one here. It's all sand. So I was like, oh, that's... One less problem. One less problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then from the vegetable garden, our mother was amazing at uh, making preserves and jams and pickles and kept in the coal cellar. Oh, Do you Trish, remember that? Yeah, Trish loved her uh, green tomato ketchup. I, I, had a, um, I wouldn't say an allergy, but a reaction to vinegar, so I couldn't eat certain pickles. I can't eat ketchup. I can't eat, uh, <coughs> spin, uh, you know, like um, spaghetti sauce, which really sucks because he used to love mom's spaghetti. Oh, she made the best spaghetti sauce Ever. And um, <laughs> it uh, kind of put a bummer on everything I, I could eat. 
because yeah. you know Trish makes a good spaghetti sauce, and but it, it just yeah I, she I made. Eat, I, I remember eating a pickle, and Dad saying to me, he says, "Why is your face all red?" And I says, "I just had a pickle." Well, you're probably allergic to vinegar. I'm like, well, what doesn't have vinegar in it? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she had all these preserves, pickles, beets, jams. And that was supposed to be shared with the rest of the siblings, but unfortunately, uh, we were not. That was not shared um, to us. The pickles, the preserves, uh, anything in her freezer, her cold cellar, that was all stolen. So we didn't get to have any of that um, after she was taken out of her house. So, but you know, we have the good memories of if you went for a meal at Mum's, you always she always had pickles or beets or. Well, she. Or jams on her toast. And, yeah. yeah. But um, one recipe of mom's that I miss <clears throat> quite a bit is uh, Swiss steak. Oh, yes. And, uh, <laughs> That's not my favorite meal, but <laughs> well, it was yours. <laughs> yeah. That or she always knew how to season a pork roast just right. And, just right. And I really enjoyed that. She, she'd ask me what I want for my birthday meal. And I said, pork roast? <laughs> She's okay. <laughs> there you go. She she, she did. She, she didn't cook it in a slow cooker either. She cooked it in the oven. So it was. She um. She knew how to bake, and you know, any time I had problems, you know, um, on how to make something or make a gravy, and Mom says, "Okay, I'm coming over." <laughs> she, oh, she would say that. Yeah, okay, she, I'm coming over. She'd come over and help me make the gravy, and I'd have cornstarch and. All the ingredients there, and <clears throat> and uh, Trisha come home from work, and there's mom, <laughs> me in the kitchen, making a stew or whatever, and and, and uh, she said, "Oh," and Trisha would be like, this is the "Best stew ever." <laughs> <laughs> best stew. You were lucky because you live very close to to mom, and and uh, it wasn't anything for her just to pop over at any time, yeah. and uh, and help. Well, vice them. versa, because uh, yeah, she couldn't. Uh, even when Dad was alive, um, um, I would help um, you know Dad with certain projects that he had on the go, like when he renovated, when he uh, laid new flooring in the in the house, and uh, when he was drywalling the uh, or putting plaster mud on the paneling, which was it's surprisingly turned out great because when um, Mom eventually got her um, kitchen renovated in twenty. Yes, 2013, yeah. Um, Thankfully, she got her kitchen renovated. The, the guy who did the renovations, um, he says, is that paneling on the wall? And he says, because I could swear it was drywall. I says, yeah, my dad, six, seven buckets of uh, drywall plaster and, and covered up the paneling, sanded it and smoothed and painted it, and you'd never know it was paneling. Our dad was a perfectionist handyman, that's for sure. He, he, if he didn't know something, he learned it before, you know, even there was Google and YouTube videos. He just learned it on his own and was a perfectionist at doing any handyman work around Well, the I remember him and Mark tearing down the transmission of Mark's uh, um, car because uh, I think Mark slipped the clutch on his car and... Uh, and um, or something along those lines, and the transmission went. No, sorry, it was uh, the seventy Dodge Fargo or seventy six Dodge Fargo. The transmission went on it. So Dad says, "Well, there's a book right there on how to change the <laughs> transmission." So there they are on the, in the gravel driveway. 
taking out the transmission and and um, changing the splicer gear and changing the uh, torque converter and and uh, they put it back together. I think Mark was not even twenty when they did that. And yeah, uh, Mark was working at National Steel behind Moose Mountain Mine. That's one thing about our dad. He believed in no matter how old you are to keep educating yourself, keep learning. We went on a lot of family trips, and uh, but the, the learning from books was super important to our our dad. And he always had a, a large dic- dictionary. So if we didn't know the meaning of, of the word, he'd say, go look in the dictionary. And the other thing he had every year, he would receive a new updated version, but he always had the, the Britannica uh, encyclopedia set. Well, that was that was from nineteen sixty no. Nineteen sixty nine because it had the moon landing on it. Yes, yeah, from sixty seven, Apollo when it first landed. No, it was nineteen sixty nine. Was it sixty nine? July twenty ninth, nineteen sixty nine. Oh well, there you go, and so uh, yeah, so that's how our dad uh, he fixed things and repaired vehicles and and all of that, and our mother was just patient she'd make the lunches and dinners and you know dad would be doing his his thing learning from scratch um the other thing i'd like to talk about is um how competitive our mother was and our dad too but the we had the best memories of our parents playing cards and our mom loved the game of scrabble and i have two or three games of scrabble here she loved rum cub our grandmother Nanny loved Damn It, which is a fun game for her card game. And her mother loved crafts and working with wood and painting. That was one thing she did in 1983. Um, you know, Robert and I were getting older and the commitments to certain family obligations weren't there anymore. So mom was getting bored. So I think a friend of hers from church convinced her to take a woodworking course with her. So mom made the most beautiful side table you've ever seen. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> you know, like she learned how to use a drill and... Um, she was so proud of that. And, um, you know, the varnish, like I, she must have like four coats of varnish on it. It was just glistened. Like a, I ended up with it at home and, uh, and it's, it's the strongest table we got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you have that. Uh, the other uh, one thing about our mother was uh, she swiffered her floors daily. And I think that was from growing up years ago when our grandparents, we called them Nanny and Pappy, Lena, Lynn, and Ray, Lynn Dupuy, Millette, and my grandfa- our grandfather, Raphael, they used to call him Slim because he was tall and slim. He was six feet and, and slim, Millette. Their first home in Goward had a dirt floor, <laughs> and then eventually flooring was put in. But back then, you made sure you swept your floor every night. And so uh, until our mother owned her house, and uh, I think it was sold in 2017, uh, she made sure she swiffered those floors every every day. She, um, yeah, because Dad never, you've always, Mom and Dad always lived in the hydro colonies. And they never really bought their first home until 1973. 73 in Hanmer, Ontario. So when I remember Dad, I asked Dad how much he paid for his house. He said, 23000 at 28% interest. 28% interest yeah. in 1973. Yeah. Oh, my God. 
And, uh, or was it the other way around? Might have been the other way around. 23,000, or 28,000 for 23 percent interest. Regardless, it was really high. Mm -hmm. um, Our grandparents helped them with their down, apparently. Apparently, I think that's what my mom, what mom told me was that Nanny and Poppy helped them. See, so they got help too, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, so? <laughs> yeah. What parent nowadays wouldn't help their, their kids if they could Exactly, and that's one thing our mom was good at, and our dad, was that they helped us. We needed an extra 10 grand before we bought this house. This is my fourth house. And uh, the bank said, oh, you need an extra 10 grand because we had two vehicle loans. So mom was hearing Mike and I talk about this and she said, I've got the money, I'll give it to you. And I said, well, mom, you have to, you know, make sure like, I'll pay you back. And uh, which I did with, in a year, I paid her back. And I have the bank draft to prove that. But mom helped you. But one way that you were able to help mom was to keep her in her house longer by yeah. all the handyman work you did. Well, if it wasn't for you doing the plumbing, doing the shoveling, doing the cutting the grass, the trimming of the hedges, fixing things after dad died, mm -hmm. I don't know how long she would have been able to stay in her house. Well, I remember going over there like five days in a row to um, take the air out of the... Uh, the uh, uh, because she had a boiler... There was an airlock in one of the um, in in one of the lines for the heating, and it always rattled. It would just drive mom nuts. And <laughs> I eventually found it, but wow. um, it, I had to re release the air. And I remember one of my brothers calling me and saying, "How come you're not over at mom's place fixing that freaking airlock?" I'm like, "Maybe because I have to work." <laughs> 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 so. He, he and you had three up. kids. And I had three kids, you know. I was working nights, and which didn't help. And but you still went over and helped. Yeah, and on the weekends, I was still there. You know, I had my own house to look after. Yeah. At the same time, looking after mom's house. Yeah. So I was doing double duty, and I never got thanks for it from anyone. So I did, because I <sighs> said to mom, if Patrick owes you mom money, mom, just... Take, take it off the bill. Like, just the hour that he works, the hours that he works, the weekends that he went over there to cut your grass, trim your hedges, fix things, take that off, uh, any any monies that he might owe you. And she just thought that was the best idea because she appreciated and she was grateful to you for helping her keep her home it's, running smoothly. It, so it, that was good. I never even asked her to do that. And... Because no, I, I was, did though for you. No, I understand that, but the, what I'm trying to get across is that I, I never expected that. Yeah. Because it was my duty to look after my mother. Exactly. And when I got chastised about it, I never questioned why they were chastising me. I just thought, you know what, just leave me alone. Yeah. And let me look after mom. Yeah. And. And you did your best to do that. And, the, and you appreciated what she did for you when she helped you out in a buying. And, and, and I know that she did. She because, well, the job I had at the time was I was getting casual hours. And some, some weeks I'd only get 16 hours. Other weeks I'd get 40. So it was a never steady paycheck until uh, I got full time in 2017 after mom was placed in a nursing home. So 
Yeah, so you, it was tight. It was tight, and uh, you could always count on mom to help us out. But when she she always was grateful, and uh, I remember making that suggestion to her, reminding her that a a carpenter, a laborer, plumber, you know, that's fifty some dollars an hour. Or so, you know, just take that money off, and then at the same time, she's showing you that she's, you know, and she was grateful. For all your help because for a brief two or three years we were living in Barrie and uh, I remember Mike helping to build the back uh, step and uh, we came up two weekends in a row to build that and uh, back steps the brick at the back steps oh, that, yeah. yeah so uh, and also I, he painted I think the deck and you helped and you and Chris and Mike helped put the fence yeah so there was a lot of things that we did do our best. I remember when Mike, uh, my husband and I were at, at St. Kevin's Parish after our mother passed away, my mother passed away. Uh, he brought up something that, because there's uh, family stuff going on with this family and the six kids were no longer a family. Uh, he, my husband started crying when he talked to Father Rex and said, I thought, you're supposed to honor your father and honor your mother. And I, I, what really bothered him was that her funeral, she always wanted it at St. Kevin's Parish, the church that she belonged to for 47 years. Our parents helped build that church, the second one, the second newer one. And that really bothered my husband because of all the family stuff going on that, you know, where's the honor uh, to our parents? And you were you you did your best to honor our mother after our, our father died, was by stepping in because you live closer. The other sons live farther away, but you were there for her. She could always say, "Patrick, something's wrong," and you were there. What do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just thinking about all the good times mom and dad would have together. Um, mom was always. Um, Mom and Dad were social butterflies. You know, oh, some days, <laughs> uh, you know, like curling bonds wheels. I remember kind of being upset that you know one of my parents weren't home for my birthday because my birthday was in November six. Either my dad was gone hunting or Mom was gone to a curling bonds wheel. <laughs> so it my my birthday never fell on my birthday, but I still got a really good birthday. It was don't get me wrong. You know, they always made up for it. And, um, and, you know, Thanksgiving's, depending on when it fell, dad would either be hunting or, you know, just, he'd come in, you know, with a, one time he came home with a full face beard and mom says, how long are you going to keep that on? <laughs> so he ended up wearing it for almost a year. Cause I remember, uh, there's a picture with, uh, um, Dad and Auntie Vet and I forget who else was in it. Um, but Dad had a full-face beard, and Mom just says, I'm not kissing you with that full-face beard. I don't like the whiskers. So and, Dad, then, and then Dad probably ran after her to get to plan to kiss on her, and she probably, Richard, oh, she probably said, Richard. <laughs> well, I can get into some weird stories, too, because I'd be going to bed at night just dead tired, and all I hear is, Richard, stop it. Stop tickling me. <laughs> like, so her parents doing? were a little bit frisky. Yeah. Uh, they had six kids, so what do you expect? Yeah. 
they sure loved each other. Oh, yeah. What a great example well, for us as kids. The best memory kids. I have of mom and dad before dad died was uh, mom was a minister of the Eucharist, and, and dad couldn't make the journey to church, uh, no matter, you know, just going into church. And mom gave dad the minister of the, uh, the Eucharist at home, and I was sitting there watching them, and after the... The Eucharist was given. Mom gave Dad a big kiss and a hug, and said, "I love you." And and that was like I said to myself, "That's love." You know, like you yeah. you can't get more loving than that. You know, and Dad was almost too weak to stand, but he still stood and took the took the Eucharist. And and you know, growing up, Mom and Dad were always at parties, always at dances, even though. Dad, mom and dad didn't drink. They always had a great time. People thought they're they're three sheets to the wind, but no, they were just there having a great time, drinking ginger ale and dancing and dancing and yeah. dancing. And their favorite song was "Crystal Chandeliers," and my husband makes sure that he tries oh. to play that for them. But mom, they were the, always the first on the dance floor and the last to come off the dance floor. And I'm sure they're dancing in heaven right now. <laughs> Mom loved to listen to uh, Julio Iglesias, Bobby Vitton. Oh, yes. Um, uh, Roger Whitaker and, uh, well, what kid didn't growing up in the seventies didn't have to endure Lawrence Welk? Oh, they love Lawrence Welk. <laughs> the bubbles. The guy, the guy with the baton and the bubbles, and they're like, really? <laughs> When's Disney coming on? <laughs> and we watched the Ed Sullivan show with them too. I remember, and the Bonanza in the morning, like like no Bonanza was Sunday night actually. The the cartoons in the morning. If our dad wasn't working the three shifts with Hydro, yeah. he would be sitting watching the cartoons with us on Saturday morning and Bugs Bunny. And one thing about dad was his laughter. Oh yeah, laughter and my um, oh, the one, tears would come down his face. He couldn't get to the punchline most of the time when he was telling a joke because he couldn't hardly get the words out because he'd be laughing so much at his jokes. Well, I remember watching The Simpsons one time, and this is, I'd say about 99, 2000. And one of the episodes of Simpsons was uh, Homer was... Uh, he was excited about his new job. He is working at the bowling alley, and he finally figured out where all the bowling pins went. Well, in that episode, it shows where all the bowling pins go. The bowling pins go into a great big garbage pile, and they grab, and little robotic arms come down and grabs a tree, whittles it down to one <laughs> big, or one, one small bowling pin, and a little robot arm comes along, and paints a line on it, and picks it up and puts it back in, into the lineup for the bowling alley. Well, Dad was on the phone. Mom was in the sewing room. They were both on the phone. I don't know who they are talking to. But Dad put the phone to his chest and just <laughs> bent over, laughing his butt off because it was so ridiculously funny. Oh, my God. That's our dad. He loved funny. Like, he loved telling jokes. He loved funny anything on TV. He loved making people laugh, and he had such a big laugh for a man who had such a, a terrible childhood. He always looked for to make friends with everybody he met. My husband's the same. So. Well, Dad's favorite saying was, um, a stranger is a, is a friend I haven't met yet. And 
I I like those those words, but mine are if um, if you try to please everybody, somebody won't like it. And you know that was mom's. I'm sure to this day, I'll say this till I die. Um, mom tried to keep peace in the family because she tried to please everybody. Yeah. And somebody didn't like it. So we we can only honor our mothers as best we can. And um, have embraced the great memories, forget the bad, and knew that she loved us with all our hearts. And no matter how, how bad of a day we we're having, if he called mom, he knew she'd listen. And that was that was her mom. She was she was loving. She was kind. She was a great cook. She was a great baker. She was a great seamstress. She was a good great good. mother. Yeah. And that's that's my story of of mom. And then we're both blessed with, even though when I interviewed uh, our dad, he re- reminisced telling me that he was so nervous to be a dad when I was coming along because he, he didn't think he, he had the confidence to become a dad, but he ended up, he was strict at first, but he mellowed out over the years. But you couldn't ask for a dad that loved his kids as much as our dad. He loved us and he was so proud of us and then he'd say here's my daughter my favorite daughter and it was always a big joke because I was his only daughter and then you were the baby of the family and you were taller I was the tallest (laughs) one in the family and and the biggest guy uh, yeah and he'd introduce me this is my baby Patrick (laughs) (laughs) and you're like over six feet tall (laughs) but he he always and I, I try to learn from dad, especially, like, try to make things funny and likable and, and say it with a little bit of wry humor. Uh, it was never sarcastic, and he, he, he never was one to say unkind, mean things about someone. I mean, his life wasn't perfect, uh, and his working life wasn't perfect, but he always, you never really hurt our dad just trash someone or, or hurt them or insult them or whatever well, and her mom was the same way one thing mom and dad were not afraid of was the clergy whether it be the nuns or the priests because dad was never afraid to stand up to a priest at all mm-hmm. um, during the construction of the uh, new St. Kevin's Parish um, in Valterez, Ontario yeah he, uh, he had a run-in with the priest where the priest says well this is my church and he says no it's not it belongs to the people. And it says, you work for us. Yeah. So, <laughs> shortly after that, that priest uh, moved on to other <laughs> parishes. Or he couldn't. He took a sabbatical, extended sabbatical. Yeah. Because <laughs> he couldn't take, he couldn't stand being chastised by the, a parishioner who was right. Who was right. And that's one thing about our dad he had a good sense of what was right and what was wrong and to stand up for himself or for others. And again, I feel that I've learned that from dad. I, I'm more like my, like, I'm more to me like my dad than my mom. Although I loved all the good qualities from my mom. I've learned a lot from her. Uh, but I, I'm more, very, was more strong, you know, and stubborn and had my own company and all of that. And, um, but we both learn so many great qualities from mom and dad. And again, remembering our mom who just recently passed away, she sure knew how to set a table 
and fork on the left side, knives on the right, <laughs> and uh, being that she was left-handed, but it was the proper way to set a, set a table, and well, she was good to decorate our house. For... Every time we'd have, we knew company was coming over, she'd ask either Robert and I to set the tables. That was, that was part of our job, and then, you know, do the dishes, and, you know, and Robert and I would have to, you know, be Saturday morning, guys. Bring in that wood before your father gets home, because you know for the wood stove. It was just, and you know, that, it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing, but it was something. You learn that, a sense of hard work oh, from I knew both it. our parents. Yeah. yeah, for sure. They taught us to be hard workers. But it, it's we we knew where we stood and. Uh, if we, if Robert and I any got, ever got any flack from our older brothers, we just, we had ammunition to tell them to leave us alone. Yeah, and you knew that mom and dad would have your back. Yeah. The other thing, too, if we invited uh, mom over, mom and dad over, or you did, uh, my, one thing that I'm grateful for, too, for mom, for many, many things, but one thing she taught me is never go to someone's house empty-handed. So... If we invited her over for a dinner, her and dad, or just her after dad passed away, she always came with uh, dessert squares or whatever. She was really great at baking. So you knew you could count on her to make date squares or brownies or any salads, you know, and all of that. She probably was the same at your place, too. And oh, yeah. She always yeah. came I, I with don't, something. Is it, I don't know, I just don't trust anybody else's day squares compared to mom's because mom's <laughs> are always the best. <laughs> they were the best, <laughs> that's for sure. And um, so I guess the overall from our our parents and especially our mom, who we're remembering more today, but we have so many fond memories of our dad, Richard Baudray, was that uh, mom and dad taught us to say our prayers, uh, eat well, and always save room for dessert, keep a neat and tidy house, make our beds in the morning, uh, and be grateful and kind to others. And try to think of good to others, not to go purposely hurting them or or, or slandering them or whatever. But we, we really had great examples of a, of a good, good set of parents that we had, and also good people overall who truly loved each other Mom and Dad truly loved each other. I hope now that they are dancing together. I'm sure they are to crystal chandeliers, and and just so happy to be together, as they were since they were little kids. Yeah. One of one of the men, some friend of my our dad's wrote something about our dad sneaking a kiss onto <laughs> our mother's face. The person said. Dad was 10, but I, I believe when I interviewed Dad, he said he was 12 when he moved into great-grandma and great-grandpa's house. And he, so there, I didn't know the story about him planting a kiss on Mom's cheek when she was only 10 years old. But that's just love right from childhood all yeah. the way through to our dad passed away in, in 2008, and now our mother passed away September 29, 2023. And I'm holding a, a memorial mass for her at her beloved church of 47 years. And there's also a funeral mass for her in calendar. Uh, so uh, we are just grateful that uh, 
she was our mom and grateful that dad was our dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can honor them with good memories. Yep. So love you, mom and dad. Love you guys. <laughs> and Chris. <laughs> yep. okay. okay. Thank you, Patrick, so much for being my guest today on, on our podcast. No problem.